everybody. My name is Shayna. I'm the teaching intern here. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, pretty much every time I come up here, I say something like, please be my friend. Will you be my friend? I want to get to know you. So Phil, being the best boss ever, got me this shirt. It's like my new staff uniform. So you don't have to hear me say it all the time, but you also can never forget that I am very serious about it, and I really want it to happen. And it's perfect, actually, right? Because like Phil said, we're in a series on community. And like community is, at least in my opinion, just like at this crossroads of friendship and family. Um, and we're specifically looking at what Paul says about community in the book of Philippians. If you want to hear more about the book of Philippians, Phil gave an awesome intro to our series last week. He also talked about what it looks like and means to have gratitude for the people in our life. Um, so if you haven't heard that, don't leave now. Please stay here. But like later, go ahead and listen to that. We would love to have you hear it and join us for the whole rest of this series. Um, but tonight, yeah, we are talking about humility which a lot of us kind of have like a basic idea of what humility is, even though we may describe it a little bit differently. Um, but for me, the first time I heard about like Christian humility, I was on this weekend retreat and they basically spent the whole weekend drilling into me. Like, if you wanna be humble, don't think too highly of yourself. And I took that super seriously. So I got into this really bad habit, which I still do sometimes. Please call me out if you hear me do it. But whenever anybody complimented me, I would like counteract it with a self-insult. So they would be like, you're so smart. And I would be like, actually in college, there was this one class that I almost failed. And they'd be like, I love your smile. And I was like, my orthodontist actually says that my smile is a disaster. Thank you. And it was like, I, I'm really sorry. I do do it. Um, but it was just socially weird, right? And the point of humility is to be able to love and serve the people around us well, which that absolutely does not do for me in any way, shape, or form. It just makes people really uncomfortable. So what I've been praying for us going into tonight and my prayer for you coming out of tonight is that whatever you do or don't learn about humility, that it would just be something practical that is going to help and love the people around you. And luckily for us, Paul is a very practical guy with a lot of really great hands-on advice and a very outward-looking approach. So today, we are in Philippians 2, if you have your Bible or like the Bible app on your phone, and you wanna go ahead and get that out. Um, we're gonna break this up into a couple chunks. So we are going to begin, this is, that was the wrong page. We're gonna begin on verse one, and we're gonna be going all the way through verse 11 today. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So these first four verses are basically like an opening introduction to the idea of humility, where what Paul tells us is, hey, humility is a part of community. If you want to love the people around you well, you need to be putting them above yourself, which is super awesome and also kind of vague 
and could go a lot of different directions. And so luckily for us, this is just the setup before Paul digs into what he really wants to say. But what he wants to say and what comes next is this really famous hymn on Christ. It's actually one of the first recorded hymns we have. And it's meant to be sung together as a community, but I am not a singer, but I do believe in like the right intention of things. So we're not gonna sing, but we are gonna read it out loud together. And it's gonna be on the screen. So whether you're here with us or online, if you could join me in reading the verses five through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God for his word. So this is the Christ hymn. It's super cool. Um, when we start out here, right, we have who being in very nature God. Christ is God. That means he has unlimited power. I constantly am under like money, time, physical strength, etc., restrictions and can't do everything that I would like to do. But what this verse is saying is that Jesus literally could do anything that he wanted in a capacity that we can't even imagine. I was thinking about today because I love superhero shows and I'm always like, they can do anything. And then I was like, whoa, Jesus could do even more. That's super cool. Um, But so what we see here is that Jesus could do anything, but he did not consider that equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Used to his own advantage, I think is a really great way to put this, but if you don't mind, I just would like to go a little bit deeper so we kind of understand the intensity of what's being said here. Because if we look at it in the Greek, it's actually super offensive. Um, So the verb for taking advantage here actually means to exploit. So nowadays, right, humility is like a pretty cool thing. I don't think I've had a single morning where I've woken up and been like, I hope somebody tells me I'm a prideful jerk today. If somebody could just say that I'm selfish, that would be amazing. Because humility is good, right? Even if it's fake humility, we as a culture value what humility looks like. But back in the day when Paul wrote this in like 80, 60, a very long time ago, that was not the case at all. Humility was looked at as weak, pathetic, awful, super not cool. And so for people, actually like these gross demonstrations of power were how they looked like great leaders. And so warriors and emperors and sometimes even nations showed how great they were by putting up sculptures everywhere of themselves exploiting women. And that's how people knew that they were powerful, great leaders. Not because they loved people well, but because they used their power to exploit people. 
So we can keep the definition here and just leave it as used to his own advantage, but we should know that when we read that, it carries a really, really heavy baggage. And it's talking about, as we go through this hymn, this crazy contrast where Christ could have done anything, but instead of doing what was popular at the time, instead of exploiting other people, he used that power to allow himself to be exploited. He did the opposite. He went to the bottom of the barrel and God saw that and was like, yes, that is the thing. That is the example of humility that we wanna follow. And I think when we think about humility today, we kind of associate it with like, you know, the word humble, which is like happy and nice. And it's like people not bragging and people saying kind words to each other. And that's like really, really good. But humility also compares to another more negative word, right? Humiliation, which is not nearly as fun of a thing and not something that we think about very often when we think about being humble. And what Paul is saying here in this hymn is he's saying that for Christ, humility looked like choosing a humble act of humiliation rather than a popular act of power. And I am not saying that you all should go publicly humiliate yourselves. I accidentally do that all the time. It like rarely benefits the community like ever, maybe a few laughs. But the idea here, right, like why Paul is talking about this choice for Christ to humiliate himself is that true humility is gonna involve sacrifice. It's a lot less passive than just saying, well, actually I suck and I'm not the greatest, don't worry. I am a humble person. Um, And so the message here, the thing that I want us to like look through and talk about for the rest of our time is that Christ-like humility, being humble the way that Christ showed us, means that everything God has given us, whether that's like, we'll talk about influence, that could also be like your possessions, your money, your friendships, your family, et cetera, all of the things, your gifts, your skills, those are all actually opportunities to love and serve the people around you. And... I know that's not the most popular idea in today's society because we're all like, you know, we're supposed to be our best and we're supposed to get the best degree and the best job and we're supposed to date the prettiest person and we're supposed to have the coolest friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was actually just thinking this morning about going to church because we're talking about church community. And I was like, I think it's been quite a while since I came to church thinking, how can I best love and serve God here today? Typically, it's like a pretty me thing, like, well, is the sermon gonna speak to me? Is it gonna teach me what I wanna know? Are the songs gonna be songs that I wanna hear? Are the people gonna be people that I wanna hang out with? And I've just fallen into the me trap. It's just a thing. But instead here, God is telling us and telling me, what does it look like to use all of these opportunities as opportunities to love and serve people? So as I've been praying about this and working on this over the past couple of weeks, For me, it's looked like time and money. I'm in this like weird month of my life where for the first time in two years, I have like a little bit of extra time and a little bit of extra money. And literally all that I wanna do is like order Chinese takeout and watch TV for like 36 hours straight, which is like fair. I think it's a fair thing to want. I don't think it's a bad thing to want. 
But as I studied this passage, I was like, oh, or maybe that time is actually time that I have an opportunity to love somebody well, to do something at this church that I normally wouldn't have the capacity to do. Maybe there's somebody in my life or in my church community who needs something and I can actually afford to give it to them instead of ordering chow mein. And then next month, right when my life gets crazier, I can't do all the things, but what does it look like for me to pick one thing or one way or one person that I can continue serving? And we all have very different lives and there's like a bazillion different examples and ways that this could look for you. But we're talking about church community at a church. So I figure we'll just like talk about that a little bit and then you can like, you know, extrapolate that to the rest of the areas of your life on your own. So first of all, right, influence. If you are somebody who regularly attends a church, be that this church or a different church, or you don't yet, but wanna start attending a church, that means that you have influence there. Churches care about what you think. They wanna make you happy. They want you to like church. If you complain, they're gonna listen to you. If you're like, that was the best, they're probably gonna do it again. So you have influence. You might also be in a position of authority at your church. Maybe you're an elder, maybe you're on staff, maybe you're a volunteer, but even if you're not, you have influence. So is that influence something that you wanna use to make the perfect church for yourself that you are the most happy at? Or is that influence something you wanna use to make the church something that is the most welcoming to other people? The church that the people in your life would love to attend. I don't know what you're doing with it because I'm pretty new. So that's like not a pointed question. It's actually just a question. I mean, as you can tell by my shirt, I don't really know many people here yet. I'm really trying. Um, but since I started coming in April, almost every week what I do is I ask at least one of you, what brought you to TNL and why do you stay? And consistently, seriously, almost every single person I have talked to over months has told me that years and years ago, you came to TNL and you met some people who became your friends and then through all the highs and particularly the super low, low lows of your life, those people were there for you. So you never stopped coming. And that's beautiful, right? Like what an amazing picture of community that you love each other so much that no matter where life has taken you over all these years or where the church has moved or where you've moved, you've continued to come. I love that. That is a gift. That is an opportunity from God. But when we get really close, like tight friend groups, right? I've had a couple before, not very many. Um, it can be really hard to integrate new people because you have your group dynamic and you all know each other so well and you've been through so much together and like, you know, you know that person's like food restrictions and you know when that person gets like mean and rude what to do or when that person's having a hard time, why it is. And with new people, you just don't know that. And you're busy and you have so many things and you have work and you probably have a family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of reasons not to include new people. But if we're looking at Christian humility, and using the things that we have in our lives to love and serve others. Is there a person you know in your life, you might not be good friends with them yet, who is not a part of your close TNL friend group, but who really needs some good friends right now? You probably don't have anybody who's like desperate enough to wear a t-shirt saying, will you be my friend? 
but you like probably know somebody who has the vibes, right? Like they seem a little lonely or they're sad or like sometimes when you talk to them, they just like word vomit on you because they have had nobody to talk to in the longest time. And so my encouragement to you would be to look at the areas of your life where you have something that you were like stoked about. I love this so much. I am so good at this. This is so cool. This is my favorite part of the week. And think about somebody around you who does not have that, that you could maybe share with them. I think that that is what God means by Christian humility. And I know that it's really, really hard, but I think that if we do it, we're gonna be a positive influence in people's lives. And I think that that is worth the sacrifice. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you encourage us to love each other so that none of us ever have to be alone. I just wanna pray that as we go out into this week, that we would humbly serve you well, and that in exchange, others would humbly serve us. In Jesus' name, amen.